What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey guys, this is Sydney Taylor from Metal From The Inside, and you are listening to Jay Scott on the Hook Rocks Podcast. I totally love that song. Rock and Roll Woman by Amy Darling. We got Amy coming up here shortly with a great interview, a great new music spotlight. Happy Monday to all of you. Hope you're doing well today. Hope your case of the Mondays is almost over. Only a few hours left in the day till it turns to Terrible Tuesday. Hope you enjoyed your weekend. Hope you were out barbecuing amongst friends. Hopefully seeing some live shows. Who knows how much longer live shows are going to be around this year. I have a feeling we're going to get some pretty bad news here shortly. Um, I know a lot of people are canceling dates. I know there's been a lot of reschedules, a lot of postponements. I don't really know what's going to happen. I don't know if they're going to mandate vaccines in order for you to enter or if you know showing a proof of negative COVID test. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's not looking good. I've said it before on previous episodes, we are taking major steps backwards. And I hope now that the vaccine is FDA approved, it gives people confidence to go and get it. But if not, and if we're in the same boat, this is going to be a long fall and a long cold winter. It is. Uh, it's not looking not looking good, and especially with all these bands that have struggled, a lot of these new bands that have struggled to make ends meet over the last year and a half because they haven't been bringing in any revenue. And folks, Spotify streaming services, as Decent Heider said in an interview a couple weeks ago here on the Hook Rocks, streaming services do not make money or artists do not make money from Spotify, Apple, Amazon, all these streaming services that you love and subscribe to or follow or whatever you call it now. They make money by touring. They make money by selling merchandise at the merch tables. They make money by getting on a tour, you know, with a band that's, you know, taking them around and whatever they're, uh, you know, whatever they're making per show. 
That's how they get the word out. That's how they make money. Getting COVID or having COVID affect their ability to play live, that's not good. It's not good at all. It's not good for music. It's not good for the genre. So mask up, get your vaccines. Let's go. Let's continue to rock. Let's be positive. Let's kick this COVID in the butt. Let's get back on track. Please, people, pleading with you. Got some more great music coming up here. I know I just uh, aired the Danko Jones interview last week. Great interview there. Thanks for the positive feedback. His new album, Power Trio, is out the 27th. So look for that. Look for the new John Karabi single dropping next Monday. Had the uh, had the chance to listen to that song. It is awesome. It's a lot different than what we're expecting from John. You know, a lot different than you know the Dead Daisies, uh, his Motley Crue, you know, Scream, all that stuff. So, can't wait for you guys to hear that. And we might be doing something with John here in the coming days. So, be on the lookout for that. And. I know Kiss is back to touring. Kiss caused some controversy last week, or Gene caused some controversy last week with making comment about David Lee Roth, which, you know, I always pride myself in being a little self-aware of what I'm saying and what I'm doing. And when Gene comes out and says he'd like to remember David Lee Roth as he was and compares him to Elvis versus Elvis before he died, uh, Gene... Kiss is nowhere near in the same room right now as they were in their prime. So let's not go down that road. Shit, you know, let's, uh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, you know what? We had David Lee Roth on the tour last year or before COVID. He was helping us sell some tickets and it was a great bill to be on, but we didn't make any money last year and we're going back to the painter. That's, you know, that's pretty much the truth of the matter on that. But anyway, let's talk some rock and roll with Amy Darlin before we get to a quick word from our sponsor. Please visit us wherever you do podcasts. Please listen to us on Amazon, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you do podcasts, wherever you follow. You can listen to all our episodes, old and new. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music podcasts. You can check out my fellow podcasters on that platform. Great family to be a part of. They just sponsored a great event, Rockin' Pod. I was supposed to be down there, but as some of you know, I've had some health issues over the last seven, eight months, and I'm healthy now. Everything is good now, but my stamina and my strength still is not there to be out and about for a long period of time. I've been to a couple shows here over the last month and it has been a struggle just because I got to get stronger. So that went into play in my decision. Sorry, I could not meet all of you wonderful people down there and all the bands I was hoping to talk to do apologize, but hopefully next year, fingers are crossed for next year, which will be here before we know it. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter Got some good things cooking here. We I just had a conversation with some fellow podcasters yesterday, and uh, we're doing a little bit of a collaboration. Not going to tell you who, not going to tell you what, but it will be here soon, and I do hope you enjoy it. All right, let's take care of some business, and let's talk to Amy Darling. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Say it with us. Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help men get stronger and longer lasting erections. Let's have a good time, baby. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable form and a fraction of the cost. Cha-ching! Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve harder, stronger, Erections to combat all forms of ED, erectile dysfunction. It's probably the most important thing in any relationship. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor, 
no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problems here. Blue Chew's Sildenafil and Tadalafil tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, America, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform... Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And here's a special deal for the Hook Rocks podcast listener. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code MILKSHAKE. And check out, at checkout, just paying $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code MILKSHAKE. To receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the Hook Rocks podcast. Let's get to it, people. My next guest is an emerging artist who I came across probably three, four weeks ago as I was on Facebook and I was on Tuck Smith's Facebook page and he was doing a gig out in Nashville, I also with this artist, and her name is Amy Darling, and I'm very happy to have her on the hook rocks on the New Music Spotlight. How are you, Amy? How's it going? I'm good, just peachy. Are you in Nashville or are you in L.A.? I'm in Nashville. I've been here for like eight years now. Okay, okay, because I was reading your bio, and like I think the song Nasty Habits was about your time in L.A., right? It, it was, yeah, okay. when I lived in downtown L.A. All right. Well, before we begin, we always start the same way every time we have a new guest on the Hook Rocks, and that is the essence of the show. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, a band, an album, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Okay, um, so I grew up, like, a bit gratefully, like, super grateful I grew up, like, on, like, rock and roll in Motown, but I think, like, in high school, I discovered the Stones, which are obviously a huge influence of mine, but it was probably the first time that I heard Can't You Hear Me Knocking, um, I just, like, had this very vivid memory of, like, I was, like, downloading songs on, like, LimeWire, because that's, like, what we did when I was in high school, um, I downloaded that song and I remember like hearing that riff and just being like, holy shit, like this is what it's all about. And maybe not knowing exactly like what rock and roll would be in my life now, but knowing that like something about it really resonated with me. Most people like myself discovered that song watching Goodfellas. Oh yeah. I think, I feel like I grew up watching those movies because my cousin Aaron, um, with, who was like my older brother was like obsessed with Scorsese movies, which I love those movies too. But I, I, I don't know how I discovered that song. I just used to like download random stone songs on my like ancient iMac. <laughs> well, where did it kid. go? Where did it go from there? I mean, you, you discovered can't you hear me knocking and when did it become that you wanted to do this for a living? You wanted to sing and perform. So I think the first time I like really even, so I grew up a theater kid. So I performed from the time I was like six years old, um, singing, competed in dance. Um, but I kind of started getting into like rock and roll and that sort of thing again in like high school. And the first time that I really even like considered fronting a band was probably when I saw the yeah, yeah, yeah's. 
Um, I just remember seeing Karen O and her energy and just being so blown away and just kind of thinking like, I think I could do that. Um, and that was the first time that I ever really thought about doing that. I think prior to that, what I saw myself doing as far as like performing was very different. Um, and then like eventually ended up deciding to take like doing my own music as my path. Were there other influences besides the ones you mentioned? I mean, were there, you know, what were your primary influences? I know you mentioned the stones and, you know, before, but moving forward as you started to dive into it, where did you go? Where did that journey lead you to? Yeah. So, I mean, the big obvious ones are are like the stones and Bowie and Tina Turner. I love like early Rod Stewart and the faces um, Lou Reed is a huge influence. Susie Quattro, um, as far as like songwriters, Tom Petty is a big influence. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, that was kind of where it started. And I mean, I also like DJ vinyl. So I've kind of gotten into like more niche things. Like I love like glam rock and junk shop glam and like bubble gum. They all have just like really great songs. So like, you know, like Euro glam, like mud. I love Roxy music. Um, anything from RAK records. Um, this isn't really Euro glam, but like milk and cookies and sparks and all that kind of stuff. What is, I mean, the only milk and cookies I know is what my mother used to give me when I was a kid. So what is, what is milk and cookies? Um, Milk and Cookies is this glam band that was out of New York and like they, I think they only had like one record and then like a few 45s, um, just really great pop writing and super glammy rock and roll. Um, one of the guys that played with Milk and Cookies, Salmida also played with like Sparks and stuff, but they're like kind of one of my favorite little niche bands. What period were they from? Uh, I guess they would be like mid to late seventies, like kind of later in the glam spectrum. So like kind of like the New York Dolls era. Yeah, okay. I think, yeah, right around that time, because in um, Selmida's book, he talks about hanging out with Johnny Thunders and like a delicatessen in New York. So, yeah, definitely around that time. I'll have to check that out. So, yeah. So one of my things to do now is to check out Milk and Cookies. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> where did your songwriting journey become? You know, or when did that when did that begin? Um, you know, cause I hear when I hear like rock and roll woman, I do hear the faces. I do hear the stones. I do hear a lot of that stuff that you've just mentioned. You know, it, it feels like a, like a, I don't know if this makes sense to you, but when I, especially when I hear like rock and roll woman, I, it feels like a traveling band that you're, that you're playing with and that you're, you know, the kind of music that, you know, a band like that would play, you know, the way you move in the video is very reminiscent to it old Rod Stewart from the faces. Um, where did the, you know, where did your journey in songwriting begin? Um, so that's a loaded question. Okay. So I moved to LA to pursue music and, um, kind of just got very like distracted by as you can in LA. Um, I really started to hone in on my songwriting craft. Actually, when I did a songwriting program in London, I went to music school there. Um, and I think for me, like being put in that focused environment was something that I really needed. So, I mean, I was always such a fan of music and, hadn't really like written my own songs until I like kind of went over across the pond to kind of start honing in on my craft. Was there a particular Uh, song that led you to that journey? I mean, you know, like a lyric or, you know, what it's, what a song was about. Um, not really in particular. I mean, just like the artists that influenced me, influenced me. And I think like, I'm a sucker for like great hooks and like big choruses. I think some of that probably comes from like being a theater kid too. 
um, you know, so kind of bringing the theatrical elements to like the rock and roll elements and then bringing it into my songs. As you write and as you, you're honing your craft, where do you get your inspiration for writing? Is it through observation? Is it through personal experience? Are you trying to tell a story? Is it all the above or where do you usually go when you're writing music? Man, kind of all of the above. Like, I do obviously write a lot from personal experience. Um, I love having, I feel like I find that I have a bit more of like a literal kind of writing style. Um, like, kind of like Lou Reed is a big influence of mine, and I feel like Lou Reed was like very literal. So I feel like I can be very literal. And I also love like writing a good story. Like, um, my song Candy from my EP was totally a story little like nuggets of autobiography like auto like semi-autobiographical but then also like taking those elements and turning it into this character that is very much like not me um so yeah I mean kind of all over the place I mean you just I, I never know what's gonna like spark something um but then when it does I just kind of run with it you mentioned creating this character. Is it is it creating a persona for you of you know the Amy Darling that's maybe different than your everyday life that you get to live through being you know in rock and roll? Um, I'm pretty like unapologetically myself. Okay, in everything that I do. So, um, I think like. As far as chasing a persona, I think I chased the lifestyle for a long time, but I feel like I've really come into myself as like a like human and an artist, and I think that kind of transcends everything that I do. The song Nasty Habits that was released, what, six weeks ago or something like that, um, paints a picture, and it kind of does tell a story of the life that you were living or the life that you experienced in LA how how hard was it to tap into that relive those experiences and you know come out with a song like Nasty Habits you know it's interesting I feel like a lot of those experiences like in that moment I was like I kind of have to be like this tortured soul for my art and like as I was experiencing it I couldn't really write about it but I don't I guess I don't really have trouble like revisiting things for a song I actually write about things better retrospectively than when I'm in the moment I think sometimes when you're in the moment of something it's kind of hard to see like what it actually is and then when you're able to like take a step back and look at it a little bit objectively you can kind of create something out of it right I mean any anytime you're in a situation right when when things settle or you know after you've moved on from something and you look back you have a different perspective on it because you were able to live a life beyond that or after that experience that maybe gives you a different perspective of what it was like. And maybe sometimes it's easier. I know some, some artists who write about difficult topics, difficult personal topics have a really difficult time tapping into that vulnerability of, of an experience that maybe wasn't the best. Maybe it, you know, it revisits emotions that, they had forgotten about, but even so, even during that, it's still therapeutic when you are writing about a personal experience that maybe is a little difficult. Do you still have what you just said, that different perspective, or is it something that like you're fearful to write about that maybe, you know, you're revisiting something that was uncomfortable, maybe difficult for you? I think I've learned so much from like different experiences. I mean, I guess like that was such a dark time, but there was also so much about it that was so like ridiculous <laughs> that like, I don't know, I guess I tend to like look back on things and try to find like the light and the humor and like the beauty in them. Um, which I mean, I guess like I'm grateful for. Um, so yeah, like, it was a dark time, but like also like there really was a 
like dude in the window across from me that was like always staring into my window and like downtown LA like was such a crazy place at that time like it was like very much in the process of being gentrified and there was like this hedonistic whirlwind that we all like lived in so like I mean it's just kind of I guess now I look at it and I'm just like wow that was like crazy and let's make some art and entertainment out of it because it needs to be written about. Was it ever overwhelming for you, that experience? Um, it got to be, I mean, I definitely like left downtown LA. So, I mean, I think those types of experiences tend to be like fun until they're not. Well, you're you're in Nashville now, and in did you move to Nashville because the experience started to get a little darker than you anticipated, or was it more about going after the music and being closer to the music industry? Because it is Music City, and a lot of people over the last half dozen years have moved from LA to Nashville because you know, there's, there's working musicians. You're always going to be able to find work. You're all, there's, there's clubs all over the place. There's places to play with what went into that move from LA to Nashville. So I actually, so I went from LA to London. So that's when I, I kind of like dipped and I was like, all right, I'm going to go do this music program um, that I got into at this like small music school. So I went and I did that. I lived in London for a year and a half. And then um, when I came back to the States, it was kind of like, well, LA had become really toxic. Nashville was kind of a whim. Like I had been here. Um, I came to Bonnery one year actually with my mom <laughs> and, um, I really liked it. I knew it was a music town. So I kind of just moved here on a whim, knowing that it was a great music town and, haven't really looked back. I really, I really do love it here. Um, there's a great community. I think that like the caliber of music coming out of Nashville sets a really great bar to jump over. And yeah, I mean, no complaints really. I think the misconception people have is it's a honky tonk town, right? It's, it's country music and it's amazing how many great rock bands and great rock artists are in Nashville, whether it's, you know, the Dead Deads, whether it's True Villains, who's an up-and-coming act as well. There's so many great artists that have moved there. I mean, even, I think, even some of the legacy artists. I know Vince Neil lives close to Nashville. I know there's others as well. Because it is a music community, whereas L.A. has kind of drifted away from that in a, in a lot of certain aspects. It still is. It still has a heavy influence of music, but... Like you said, it can be toxic. It can be difficult to find your way. You can really get sucked into a lifestyle. And I think just that that easiness of Nashville is more appealing to an artist. Absolutely. I think Nashville definitely attracts the type of person that... I don't know. It's just... It has this very, like, neighborhoody... Like, it's such a small all big town right like and it is a community and like people are really nice and I feel like when people move here and they're like competitive or weird like that kind of gets weeded out really fast and I really like appreciate that about here like it's kind of like there's plenty to go around and people like really do help each other out and I don't know it's just it, it is like a really special place to be um and yeah, like in LA, like it can just, it is, it is hard to navigate because it's so big. And I guess something about Nashville, because it has that smaller feel, just makes it a little bit more tangible. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting because I know people who live in both, both places and, you know, where LA used to always, you know, rule the roost in terms of the club scene and playing out. I mean, you walk up and down Broadway and Second Avenue in Nashville, and there's a club every ten feet. And you know, there's also these you know secret little alleyways that have these rock clubs that people don't really know about. And it's there's always live music playing. And you know, as as cover bands have kind of crept into the LA scene a little bit, and most 
scenes, Nashville still seems pretty pure in terms of original artists, creating something from nothing, starting a band, you know, working your way up, putting in the hard work like it used to be done. The only difference is, is like you said, it, it may not be a competitive atmosphere. It's more of a supportive atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I mean, there's always going to be cover bands in like more tourist centric areas. So like, yeah, if you go down to Broadway, that's like what you're going to hear. Right. But like, there's so many great clubs all over Nashville that have like nurtured all these baby bands. And like, I've watched so many like great bands come out of here and grow from like the start. So, um, yeah, there's, there's something to do pretty much every night here for whether you want to go see somewhere like the basement East or like Mercy Lounge or Brooklyn Bowl and see like a bigger artist, or you've got like your little neighborhood spots, like D's and the five spot where like, you know, like the other night I was over there watching my friend DOG play at D's and like Marcus King got up and played with them because oh, wow. that's just like how it is here. And like, it's yeah again it's like that whole like community thing and people just all coming together to play great music i don't know i need to make it down to a show at the ryman that's one of my my goals i need to make it down for a show there because everyone i i enjoy always plays there yeah i'm super bummed joan jett just played there and i totally based on it and that would have been really fucking cool to see yeah, I was close to going to see Butch Walker there a couple years ago, and I just couldn't make it down to go see him play at the Ryman. But I know this great band that I like called Lucero is playing there, I think, in October or November, and they're really cool. They're like this band of, of misfits that uh, make great music, fantastic music. Cool. I'll have to maybe look into that. I think I'm going to try to go see Sparks there. I think in March. Okay. Which I love Sparks. I don't know if you saw that documentary recently that just came out, but I highly recommend. I will check that out. Yeah. When you, when you're writing in Nashville after moving from London and you're tapping into something like nasty habits, right. And you're, and you're, you're going through what you were living through in LA and you're writing that song and you're in Nashville. Now you talked about the perspective of, of having, live through something and then revisiting it and having a different view on it. Did it help you write about it now that you're in Nashville and having that supportive atmosphere that kind of tells you that maybe, you know, what you were dealing with was in, in fact, you know, you, you know, a lifestyle that was overwhelming. Um, I don't, Really, I mean, Nasty Habits in particular, I think, was kind of just celebrating, like, the quirkiness of it. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I didn't, again, like, I didn't really feel like, find it, like, difficult to write that song. I mean, I think I kind of had that idea for that song for a long time before I actually, like, brought it to fruition. It kind of took a few different forms. Um but I write like primarily with my guitar player, Kevin Smith. Um, and he, I kind of had the idea for like this spoken word kind of verse. And then he kind of came up with that like riff that, and like the baseline and stuff for it. So we kind of like collaborated on it together. And he's always like really like encouraging, like if it's like a good idea. So like, I don't know. I felt like, the idea was very like nurtured by the process. Yeah. You know, when I hear that song, the way it's written and the way it's presented, it's, it's you singing and there's words, but it's also very visual, right? I mean, it's almost like that seventies influence of, you know, like when you hear the Eagles lion eyes or when you hear a stone song that tells a story you know, about someone and it's, it's very reminiscent of that. And that's kind of how I appreciated it because, you know, when you, when I, you know, put the headphones on or I'm listening to it in the car, 
it takes me to a different place because it, it provides that story. It provides almost a narrative to what you went through and what you're trying to do. It paints a, a, a very vivid picture. Well, cool. Thank you. I mean, I, I definitely love that about certain songs and I don't know, to me, it's like, I'm always trying to like paint a picture and also like come up with like a great hook. Right. Cause like, I don't know. I, I love Tom Petty's quote, like, don't bore us, get to the chorus. Like you want something that kind of grabs people and draws them in. Um, so yeah, I really appreciate that. Cause that's definitely like something I'm always trying to achieve in my songwriting for sure. When you were dealing with the pandemic like the rest of us and everything is locked down and shut down, obviously different areas of the country had different restrictions. Did that affect your writing style? Did that affect what you were writing about? Man, uh, it's so interesting. I, different people I know had such different experiences. Um, it was like, in a way, that's kind of like what I've, been wanting for a long time is like just like not having to work a job and getting to like have time to play music but then like my reality was that like I was kind of trapped in a house with like roommates and boyfriend and like it was just kind of everyone on top of each other so I personally had a really hard time finding space to be creative um I kind of more just tried to hone in on like like certain skills I guess like I started playing piano again a lot and like that's been really cool to kind of explore that that was my first instrument as a kid so not as much writing but just kind of trying to like better myself as a musician um I had friends that were like super productive but um I guess like for me too I had recorded this kind of group of songs that I'm like, you know, Nasty Habits was the first one, but then the rest that I'm getting ready to release um, prior to the pandemic. So it's kind of sitting on all this work that was like not quite um, finished. So yeah, I don't know. I just, I had a, I had a hard time finding my creativity. And I guess like for me, a lot of inspiration comes from like living and like experiencing. So like being trapped in a house was just like not, super inspiring to me for sure you know it, it is difficult for for people to be creative when they are using life to find you know their their inspiration and when you're doing the same things and plus too you know every time you turn on the tv in 2020 everything is so negative whether it's the pandemic whether it's the toxic election whether it's the protest all around the country and you're you're absorbing this and you're viewing it and you know as someone like yourself who is creative needs that outlet to speak to have their voice right i mean you know that's why that's why you do what you do is because you're able to witness things and take things in and then turn it around and digest it and then release it right release what you're feeling and not being able to do that or being compromised whether it's everyone being on top of each other where you live or just not finding that space that you need to be creative. How did you overcome that? Oh, I mean, you just like make do with what you have. Um, yeah. I mean, I, again, like I just like, it wasn't really like a super creative time for me. I had friends who were like mega productive and I feel like it was very like 50 50 with my musician friends like I feel like people were either like I've been writing nonstop, or there's been like I can't like come up with anything so I think everyone just kind of handled it differently and I will say I feel like my friends that were very productive were more the people that were living alone um so yeah I don't know that I did overcome it like in that time but then now since things have like opened up and like life has started happening again somewhat I guess I'm feeling a lot more inspired it feels good to like be getting songs out and there's always a lot of work that goes around that like whether it be videos and just you know all the stuff that goes into releasing music yeah, you know, because like you said, you know, it's 50-50. I've, I've, I've asked that question about the creative process during this time to pretty much everyone. 
And I enjoy asking it because I, I find the, interest, you know, the, the answers interesting because everybody's different. There might be some similarities in people's answers, but it is all different. You know, every, everything from going into a bubble and, you know, purposely just, you know, making music and trying to drift away from reality to having reality affect the tone of music or, you know, having that angst or anger that you're, that you're in the music that maybe you're feeling because of what you're seeing and, and witnessing. It is such a interesting time because it really is a, I don't want to say a study, but it's, it's just to see everyone's different reaction and how the, how creative people are using their outlets or, you know, not having an outlet to kind of compartmentalize what they're seeing and, and, and writing about it. It's such an interesting way to see how everyone's dealt with it differently. Absolutely. I think like for me too, I also like work better under a certain amount of like, like not pressure, but yeah, I guess like pressure or like deadlines and just like having idle. It's like the more time I have, the more like distracted I'm going to be. And it's like the more like, I don't know, maybe it's like an ADHD thing. Right. Cause like when I'm go, 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 that I'm just like in it and I'm like doing things I'm creating and then all the other things. So like, I think like something about like having like too much time is I've, I guess from that experience I've learned is like not, really ideal for me well you know when you're when you're dealing with a lot of time or you're dealing with things you as a creative person you you may always think that you have to be creating something because you have this time and you know the creative process is so different than anything else because it works at it on its own time you know you can want to write a song but the song may not just come to you like that and then all of a sudden it pops into your head or you you feel something in the most unique circumstances and then then you have a song so it's you know there's there are people that can write a song in a studio i'm going in the studio today i'm going to write two songs and they're able to do that not everyone's built that way and it's it's interesting to hear your experience versus others um as far as the music goes though with everything that was happening did you find your music a little darker in tone or a little, you know, deeper in terms of what you were trying to to write about versus because of what was happening versus other times? I don't know. Like I I don't really write dark music. It's I mean, not just it's like not just the music, it's dark as yeah. I get. And right. like I I'm kind of like a more like a rock and roll good time kind of gal. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's like kind of shallow, but like that's kind of what I like and what I tend to write. Um, I guess like, did I like address like certain issues in my writing? Like, I mean, I guess I wrote like a couple little things like just more as like a therapy exercise but not really like something that I would like release or record so like yeah I guess like in that way like it did affect my writing and that I like tried things but um I don't know that I got anything that I like would have used as like work that I wanted to show out of that time maybe not just the lyrics right but music does have color to it and you write about good times, you know, rock and roll woman. And when you when you're going through that, does the color change for you? Right. I mean, you might still be writing about the things that you want to explore and the, and the things that you write about. But maybe that tone is just a little different because of what you're feeling. Was that an issue or was it just you with the same process? I mean, I think, like, it was really, like, I mean, last year was, like, just pretty intense emotionally for everyone. So, yeah, I mean, obviously that's going to, like, affect the way that I write and, like, I function. Um, But, again, like, I didn't really, none of the songs I really, like, wrote last year were things that, like, I've, like, decided to, like, continue working with. And then it's, like, you never know. Like, sometimes you look back and you're, like, hey, like, this like 
wasn't a bad idea. Let's like look at that. Um, some of the songs that I had written like prior to that year, like sort of felt like weird premonitions, like um, Lip Service, which is the song that I'm about to release in a couple weeks. I mean, it's like kind of about like, you know, people putting their money where their mouth is and like, I don't know, it just like felt very like relevant and I had written it like long before 2020 ever happened. So that was kind of interesting to see how like songs kind of find their place like in a moment. What's next for you? What, what is coming up in the future? You just mentioned a new song coming out soon. Um, where does Amy Darlin go for the rest of 2021 into 2022? Yeah, so I have a bunch of songs that I'm just going to be releasing as singles. I think we kind of recorded it as a record, but right now, especially as like an independent artist, it's just kind of a singles game. So next single is coming out on the 27th, August 27th, and that's called Lip Service. And then we're just going to keep following it up with like videos and more songs, like every, like, hopefully I'm trying to go for like about like once a month as far as like releasing songs. So we'll see if I can like stick to that timeline. And then as far as playing live, are you, are you, you know, staying local to Nashville? Is there is there opportunity for you to play for more people or, or, you know, get on the road a little bit? Yeah. So we're playing our next like local show is September 2nd at the five spot. And then um, we are going to be heading out to Atlanta to do um, a show with talk who you mentioned earlier and um, another band called the girls. And that's on September 4th. So you know, some little like one-offs out of town. Like, I don't know, everything still feels so like uncertain. Um, I think like, and I do think like people are just going to continue to like play and tour and stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely playing out of town is like in the cards, but just kind of a couple little like one-offs for now. It's got to be cool playing with Tuck. I mean, he's, you know, Young still, but also a rock and roll veteran. I mean, he did the band Biters, which is one of my favorite bands. And then, you know, I know he's in the process of trying to figure out where he's going after, you know, leaving Better Noise. Um, what's that like to tour with someone like tour, but to play with him on on the same stage? And then you also did that gig with him, too, a few weeks back. Yeah, I mean, it's great. It's great to always great to find another like rock and roll ally who, you know, loves, you know, is in it for like the long haul. And um, yeah, it's always great to like meet other rock bands and that you like mesh well with and can do great shows together with. So yeah, it's been like, I mean, the Brooklyn Bull show was great and I'm looking forward to more. And you speak of the uncertainty, too. I mean, obviously, COVID cases are rising once again. Um, As I mentioned in the beginning, you know, different places around the country have different restrictions, and there'll be more restrictions being put in place as time moves on. You know, being, you know, someone that, you know, is still emerging into the scene, how do you navigate through something like that with that uncertainty? Is it just you just kind of got to go with the flow, or, or do you have an idea because after already going through it over the past year, you kind of knowing what to expect and knowing what you have to do. Man, I feel like all you can do is just try to find the next right thing. And like, you know, you can try to, like, you can't, you don't know what's going to happen in the future. Right. So it's like, yeah, I'm just going to keep moving forward and like booking shows. And you know, if things fall through because things get worse, like that's, that is what it is. Um, I think it's great that people are requiring like, you know, vaccination cards or like negative COVID tests. Cause I really like, don't think this thing is going anywhere anytime soon unless more people get vaccinated. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just can kind of, all you can really do is just like try to like keep putting one foot in front of the other with like what you're doing and hope for the best. 
Yeah, I mean it's it is. We we were you know such we were having so many good moments for a while, you know, in terms of going to see live shows and you know pretty much getting back to normal. But now you see bands like Blackberry Smoke canceling shows, Tesla canceling shows. Who else? Mammoth, you know, Wolfgang Van Halen having to cancel a couple of shows. Uh, it's it's upsetting because it doesn't have to be this way. It really doesn't. And, you know, the longer this keeps dragging on, you know, the worse it's going to get. And, you know, at least I think in the in the in the short term future, you know, we're going to have to have some more roadblocks put in place before we can move on once again. And uh, it's disappointing, I'm sure, for people like yourself who want to play and, you know, this is how you make your living. And, uh, you know, I, all we can do right now is keep our fingers crossed that it's, it's going to get better or the, or the numbers are going to turn around. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, such a complicated situation, but I, I, yeah, I agree. I don't think it really has to be. I think it's actually like pretty simple what people need to do, but unfortunately it's, become very politicized and overcomplicated. Right, yeah. I mean, vaccination or vaccines should not be a political stance. Um, You know, to have that suspended again, it's going to be a bummer. Anyway, Amy, thank you very much for doing this. It was a pleasure getting to know you in this interview and look forward to the new music. Yeah, thank you for having me. My pleasure. All right, everybody, that's Amy Darling. I'm Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay strong, stay healthy, and we will talk again soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.